Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Oh, Cliff Schechter and Mary Trump. Hey, we're all here. Welcome back. How's Mary. it going, Mary? Hi, guys. It's great to be back. Um, yeah. Nobody's allowed to ask me how it's going. Anymore, I don't know. <laughs> well, what it's going say. a little better, I guess. Right? I mean. I mean, well, we haven't had you on since he was in office. I guess if it's if it's since the last time we had you on, he is no longer in office. That's good. He still is awful and controlling the Republican Party. That's bad. You were going to say say he's still alive. I was going to be like, Cliff. I don't don't say those kinds of things on air. No, I know, I know. (laughs) Or at all, of course. Or at all. All you need to do is say NSA. Just kidding. Yep. Exactly. Um, oh, God. So why don't we just, I think the best thing to start with is, is uh, your book and, and um, what, oh. what that tells us that we need to know about how to survive in this world. Let's tell them the title. That'll be the first thing oh. to tell them how to survive. We didn't, I thought we did, I guess well, we didn't before we went on air, did we? I, I think we might have, see, I broke my cardinal rule, folks out there, which is when you have chit chat before the show, you forget what you discussed off the air and on the air because you go, oh yeah, we talked about that. So I asked Mary, I double-checked the title of the book, so I thought I told the title of the book. (laughs) Me too. All right. Okay, go ahead. The Reckoning, Our Nation's Trauma and Finding a Way to Heal. Mary's earlier book, which was much angrier, and we loved it, was Too Much and Never Enough. Donald Trump. That's right. Wackadoo. I threw in the last part. But... um. Yeah, so, actually, this the second book is just as angry as the first one, <laughs> subtitled notwithstanding. So, yay! Yay! Well, you are, but I mean, you are, a th- I always forget, so are you a therapist? What do we describe what you are, or you're by training? I'm a clinical psychologist by training, yeah. and since I don't practice anymore, I right. kind of consider myself an academic psychologist now. Okay, did you do I'm therapy? Not, uh, meaning, did you conduct therapy? I did, I used to, yeah. Oh, oh, so you did. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. I worked in, um, in the admissions ward of a state psychiatric hospital. Oh. And then I, I did, uh, I worked with patients in local clinics for a while. A perfect job for a Trump. I was going to say oh. state psychiatric. That, the joke's too easy there, John. Way Sorry. too easy. But you know, my family, my upbringing did, did prepare me. Wait, can I, you know, one thing Cliff, before we get into the substance, I was thinking about this earlier and you know, because I really was looking forward to having you on. Like, I always feel like I have a nice, like, guffaw with you whenever we're talking. I, I don't laugh enough normally. And Does that mean you're laughing at me? I don't understand. Oh, not on the contrary. <laughs> I, lo- I just, I love chatting with you. But I try um, to get John to laugh, uh, you know, successful maybe yeah. 40% of the time. Well, no, yeah, actually, and it was funny because I was talking with Adam Parkaminko about this, who's a friend of mine, but also knows Mary. And we were saying the same thing. Like, I just, I really think you're lovely. And I just, how you came out of that family, but it got me thinking, you must have had really good parents because boy, you didn't get any of the bad stuff from that family, it seems. I shouldn't say any, I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking <laughs> you to tell I? your bad stuff, but yeah, or, or did she? <laughs> I know. You know, I'm not, I don't want to get into the specifics of my particular um, nuclear family, because, uh, you know, families are all complicated. Yeah. But, um, my dad, obviously, I think would have been a good person if he'd been allowed to be. Yeah. But he was a very sick person. He was he was uh, an alcoholic. He was he basically the the person he could have been his, the potential, right. um, the the man that I've heard about from his friends who continue to believe he was the best person they ever knew. Right. Um, was gone by the time I was born. 
So right. sadly, I didn't really get that. And what's interesting is that um, pe good parents can end up with children who turn out to be bad people. Right. Yep. And not so great parents can end up with children who turn out to be decent people. Uh, and there's a whole range in between that. So um, I it, think the nurture? thing that most saved me. Sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. <laughs> my yeah. family was, well, two things actually proximity. <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up in that horrifying house of horrors. Right. Um, and experiences. I, you know, going to, I went to uh, summer camps on Cape, a summer camp on Cape Cod, which gave me a whole different kind of experience from the one of playing in parking lots in Jamaica, Queens. Right. And that's the second thing. I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, not Jamaica States. I grew up in a, a diverse kind of working class, lower middle class neighborhood right. that that experience really grounded me. So I didn't grow up. I mean, first of all, my parents weren't rich anyway. Um, so my family's enormous wealth notwithstanding. I didn't grow up like a rich kid either. That probably, I mean, again, but that probably had something to do with it. And yet you see so many examples of it sometimes as you brought up there, you could have terrible parents and be good people. And you can, I mean, we, don't, we don't fully know the, the nature nurture breakdown. We, you know, right. we, we so I mean, <clears throat> you see people from the same family sometimes or one of them is incredible and the other one, you know, becomes Idi Amin, you know, I mean, it's, it's. <laughs> or, I mean, or several of them. Exactly. <laughs> or several, <laughs> even generationally oh. it happens. Oh. I mean, it's for all we know, Hitler incredible. had nice parents, right? That's so, that word. You know. Donald Amin, Donald Amin Jr. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we got to talk about, he's like now oh. second in, uh, in, in the, the polling for the Republican nomination, because that's what cults do. Wait, second? Who is? Behind whom? Um, who is he behind? I think, was it DeSantis? It was somebody else. Oh, like oh it depends DeSantis where. It, Trump and DeSantis, it depended which poll. I think it's at CPAC or one of them. DeSantis was ahead. I forget which one. And at the West Coast. I saw Trump Jr. in one of them. Oh, Trump like, Jr. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't remember. I wish I had it. Maybe it was in one of the, the early states or something. I don't know. Is but he, he was like in Donald there. Some... still um, first. Did I think so, yeah. Donald Wait, Senior. you know, Mary, I don't remember if we got into enough previous Brookfest about Don Jr. Is he? I mean, what the hell is going on with him? He seems very odd to me. He seems a little dumb, but I've learned sometimes dumb isn't dumb. But he also seems just, he reminds John me of John can another... ask things that are very sort of, in a way, offensive in such a sincere way. Well, it's, it's not offensive to John her. Has... It's no, not no, offensive no, I know. It's but it doesn't even I, sound I the way you say it offensive to anybody. You say it in such a nice way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I always credit the Brits for doing that. Aren't you a little right. fucker? <laughs> You're like, exactly. oh, I love your accent. <laughs> Aren't you? <laughs> um, okay, I'll let it go. There was yeah. a question there about Don Jr. So I don't know if you want to. What's his deal? <laughs> What's his deal? You know what um, I mean. Well, <laughs> you know, um, just in terms of the situation into which he was born, he does share some, he <clears throat> shares that with my dad. You know, oldest son of oh, quote-unquote powerful person. I mean, I think Donald's right. the weakest person on the planet, but, you know, he's been propped up so much that right. clearly, uh, even though he didn't deserve it, he had a lot of influence. He had a lot of money, all of which was my grandfather's money. Right. Uh, he had a lot of connections. So I think Donnie was born with the same expectation my father was born with, um, which was, you're the oldest son, you carry the name... Right. Not just the last name, but, you know, you are the namesake. And 
you must follow in the footsteps and surpass right. uh, what your father has accomplished. And you must do, do it exactly according to right. uh, his um, preferences, right? right. Um, that, because my dad was a good person, I believe, it, it killed him. You know, he just couldn't, he couldn't live up to the unreasonable expectations my grandfather had. So he tried to strike out on his own, was incredibly successful. He became a pilot, a jet pilot, uh, at the dawn of the jet age. Right. You know, right. he flew for TWA, which is a big deal in 1964. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't sustain it, you know? So he ended up going back into the business and, and um, that was it. By the time he was 26, his life was essentially over. Uh, Donnie <clears throat> is uh, weak in a different way. Um, he had no intention of striking out on his own. He had no intention of doing anything but sucking up uh, and towing the line. And the problem is, one of the problems is that, um, and I, you know, who, who ever knows how this happens, but kind of the same thing happened to him that happened to my dad. My grandfather, for whatever reason, didn't like my father and saw something in his younger sibling, Donald. Right. Um, and because... This is the only thing that's weird is that Donald did the same thing, but with a, a, a child who was a female. Like my grandfather never would have looked to either one of his daughters to fill that role. But right. Donald had this thing for Ivanka really early on and like Donnie was left in the dust. Huh. Uh, and yet he still tries, doesn't he? In yes. fact, I mean, I, I think he's like many other people in my family. He has no core. He has no, no ideology. Donnie. No and Don. he'll, you know, he'll yeah. out, Donnie, sorry, yeah. he'll out racism anybody, he'll out misogyny anybody, he'll out shoot it, you know, he'll shoot as many innocent animals as possible to uh, get like uh, whatever he, whatever passes for affection right. in my family. And it's, you know, similar to what Donald does. Um, yeah. Donald loves the Nazis because they love him. Donnie yep. loves the maggots because they love right. him and they'll right. behave however they need to behave to keep that love right. um coming in because they don't know what love is and the right. and you know john pointed if out if you like them to them you're a good person no matter what else i mean that don senior has said that plenty of times you know like well, how yeah. can i get mad at them they say nice things about me kind of you know that's the only criterion uh for Donnie, it more as a, it's more a way to get his father's attention, which he'll, he never will. And John said it earlier, Don, Donnie is a deeply unintelligent person. I've been asked okay. this, who's the stupidest one? And it's him. Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha steaks and burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner, finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees, like the world-famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com.
So let me let me jump in on because I'm interested in what you just said. So you know, I went. I think I went to Penn undergrad. I think I said that before on here. And I'm on just a very smart person. This has nothing to do with that. I'm not really that smart at all, and I would never get in today. No, I'm but, quoting but Trump, the of I bring well, it up. Donald went there, so that, that's why I said it. Exactly. I went to Penn. I'm a very smart person. You know, we could go into that because my wife went to you know Miami of Ohio, and I would make fun of her because Paul Ryan went there, and then <laughs> Donald Trump came along and became president. I'm like, I give up. You win. Um, yeah, totally. But but no, I only bring that up for a very specific reason, which is I'm on certain Facebook alumni Facebook groups, things like that. And I remember when when Don, you know, when Donald started running, somebody posted something who had been on the freshman hall there with young Donnie, Donnie, I guess you call him, and brought up this case of where, the, you know, his dad showed up and Donnie comes out into the hall from his dorm and they're about he's going to take him back up to New York for a Yankees game or something. And he's in his suit and Donnie is in like a Yankees hat and a sweatshirt or something. And he slaps him across the face in front of the whole hall. Um I add that to other anecdotes I've seen along the way. One of the one of the um, uh, biographers who wrote about Trump, I'm trying to remember if it was, it was Tim O'Brien or one of them, somebody went into how apparently there was a, a, a huge almost physical fight between them when he was young and, he, and Donald Sr. was cheating on Ivana and he you know, said, You're, you've destroyed our lives. So in the sense that I always got was, you know, he just fell into line eventually because what? that's what you do. That maybe there was some independence there early on. I don't. I'm not claiming he was a nice kid. I'm not claiming anything. I'm just saying maybe there was some independence, and then, but eventually, those expectations that you're talking about, the easiest thing is just, and he, and the easiest thing psychologically is you just go all in, right? You, you don't want to go partially in. So now my dad's a god, and he's right about everything, and that's my sense, anyhow, from those. You know, I I think it was even more transactional uh, than that because, let, to be very clear. I'm much older than they are. I didn't grow up with them. Donnie is 12 years younger, Ivanka's 16. They're a different generation of grandchildren. Like there were three right. of us, my brother, my older cousin and I for 12, for, you know, 12 years <laughs> before the three of them came along. So right. I, don't, I didn't, I don't know them uh, necessarily. However, the patterns repeat. And um, it's also important to remember that Donald didn't raise these people. He didn't have anything to do with them until, except for Ivanka maybe, until they were adults practically. And at that point, because in my family, money is the only currency. You know, money is love, money is acceptance, money is affection. You wanna have money, you wanna have as much of that as possible because otherwise you have nothing. Um, so, you know, so that's basically how it's set up. The other thing I'll say, though, yes, I have no doubt that uh, my cousins had in some, despite their enormous privilege, didn't have a great childhood. You know, they were raised by governesses and and had off parents. Um, but Donald's childhood was much worse than Donnie's. And there are yeah. people on the planet who had much, much worse childhoods than Donald did. Pathetic people. They may not be well, you know, but they... They turned out to be decent human beings, and uh, you know it's not an excuse. They're they're both. No, no, I'm not making excuses. I want to oh, be no, clear. It's just that maybe there was, maybe at one point in his life early, there were some independent thoughts, and he made that decision to go all in with dad and allow them to be snuffed out. That, you know, I mean that's. Well, my my uncle Rob told me that when Donnie was in college, he was floating the idea of joining. I don't know the Air Force, maybe, which would have been ironic. 
Um, yeah. And both Donald and Ivanka, Ivana, um, said they'd disown him right. if he did that. Well, also, did, wasn't your, wasn't, but your father went through that same thing, didn't he? Because he was becoming a pilot, he got threatened or by the father, or what was the deal with that? My dad was working with my grandfather right out of college. Well, he worked for my grandfather throughout during right. the summers. And once he graduated from college, he, he got a business degree from Lehigh. <clears throat> he went right to Trump management uh, working full time. And um, it became clear to him very early on that my grandfather had no intention of making room for him. He treated him terribly in front of people who presumably would be my dad's employees someday. Right. And, you know, he was given no independence. He was given no projects to work on to prove his mettle. Right. And it, he did, he decided to, you know, be proactive. And he took on the project of upgrading uh, windows in some, some of the many, many buildings in my grandfather's empire because they needed to be upgraded. So, you know, he made this deal and he started getting the work done. And my grandfather was absolutely incensed and just just right. tore him down in front in, in the office. And I think my I think my dad actually never recovered from it, but that was the turning point. And he quit and he said, I'm I'm gonna go follow my real passion right. because he got his personal and professional pilot's license while he was in college. Um, he applied, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to apply to as many airlines as I need to. He applied to TWA, got accepted immediately and was in the pilot class, their first pilot class of 1964 and was flying out of Logan airport to LAX by that May. Right. Like that's wow. how good he was. Um, and by labor day, his father had, had browbeaten him so severely that his drinking was out of control and he was asked to leave. And right. he ended up back in New York working for his dad. Let me ask you, you had also mentioned Ivanka and, uh, and Donald, Donald Trump, former president. Um, what is the nature of their relationship? What I mean is, it just, it seems weird to me, their relationship. He seems infatuated with her. It's weird. Is it not weird? Well, you know, all relationships in my family are weird because they don't really know how to be human. Um, but... Listen, it's some. I, I have no idea, but I, again, I was I was sixteen. Ivanka, right. Ivanka was born like two months after my dad died, um, okay. so I saw her grow up. Um, I not really. I saw her. I saw. I only saw them on uh, the kids on holidays. Right. Um, but there there was a very striking difference uh, between how he interacted with her and how he interacted with the boys. Right. Like she was glued to him. You know, they're always like smooching and no, not in a, not. I know what you, yeah. It wasn't like, it didn't cross a line, right. but it was odd. You know, she was always sitting on his lap and it, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And I, right. I don't know what else. What was interesting to me about it was that he was so unselfconscious about it. Right. Well, but you know, I've always, oh. again, and again, like I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I never took it. Some people wanted to sort of push it as, you know, oh, he wants to, to you know, have incest with her. He wants to. Oh. That's never the way I took it. I took it as 
she was a representation of him and his own weird mind. And so she needed to be perfect. She needed to be the woman in his case, as he said on Donald on, on Howard Stern's show, a piece of ass as far as he saw it, because that's what a woman's value was. And if she was this hot woman that everybody wanted and, you know, all these kinds of things, I feel like to him, that was a representation. Exactly. That was, it was based on his ego you know, that, that she was, that's at least the way I always felt like all that stuff was. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think it was a very similar dynamic between my grandfather and Donald. My grandfather saw, saw Donald, saw really everybody. Um, you know, as you said, he saw his children as his property and they were an extension of him to the extent that they could be useful to him. Um, what's interesting to the extent that it's interesting is that not only did uh, the dynamic is you described it exists, and I, I do think that Donald saw identified with her somehow. Yeah. But as an adult, the person she most reminds me of, and again, I don't know her. I I've never I haven't seen her in a very 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 long. Yep. Um, she reminds me of my grandfather. Interesting, and that's the person who you think is the most evil. So, well, yeah, uh, but he's a <laughs> sociopath. So you know, take. Take that for what it's worth. You will. Yeah. Well, no, funny well, because I mean, look, I, but isn't she the normal yeah, ahead, one? Son. I always thought he. No, no, I'm just asking. He's I the always, one who does evil things with a smile. John, well, as well, the, to well, like, but that's what I'm asking, though. I mean, for Mary, is I, she obviously tries to give off this impression, and at one point, I was almost fooled by it, thinking, "Hey, she might be the normal one of the Trumps." You know, I, I'm telling I, you, I never... thought initially I was a little fooled by it. She seemed like she might be a decent person. I mean, I, I like I started falling for it, but I, I don't disagree with you. But that's why I'm asking you. Clearly not. <laughs> by your face. No. If, if you had met my grandfather, he was a very cheerful person. Oh, interesting. You know, I mean, he didn't okay. exactly have a but, you know, he had a glint in his eye and he right. was smiled a lot. And, you know, you you would not think, holy cow, this guy is a totally evil sociopath. You wouldn't think that at all, right? Right. Um, I don't know. The best best serial killers are very nice. Of course. That's what they say, right? That's part of it. You have the charm. That's what, you know, you think of her holding up the can of Goya, John, like that's the smiley whatever, but behind that. Or a swindler, or a swindler, right? But behind behind that, she's agreeing with all the stuff her dad's doing. She's empowering him. So it's just, it's bullshit. It's, It's fluff. The other thing, though, too, is that, I mean, obviously, I'm coming at it from a different perspective, but I find her to be so inauthentic. Like, I've never quite understood why anybody bought it. But Right. Well, no, her, I mean, she's got a fake accent, the way she talks. Honestly, it's funny, too. People got pissed at me online, but that dress she wore to the U.N., do you remember that? She, oh God, it was like the first year Trump goes, no, but this was, I showed it to my mom. My mom already couldn't stand Trump and she, a good moderate Republican, she was outraged, you know, 91 year old outraged. But she went to the UN, Trump goes to the UN and he's, there's some meeting of religious lunatics at the UN going on. Ivanka (laughs) is like his representative going to the meeting and she wears a blouse that is prominently portraying her nipples through the blouse. But I mean, oh, no, no, I told I my mom- Because it became a thing on Twitter. People oh, like- I went and found the original Getty images, multiple images. It was, I, 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 I can't, I, I'm gonna send this to you after the show, Mary. Oh, please don't. I, 
Well, <laughs> fair enough. Mary, no, but block I mean, him right now. Block no, everything. But it, but it was a matter of understanding this woman and not only the UN representing the US and your father, but she was going to a religious concave and wearing a blouse that was the most pornographic thing I'd ever... I, I, it was... I, I couldn't... What goes well, through someone's listen, mind that would do that? I, that that's like something she... Me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's what she shares with her father, this enormous sense of entitlement. Anything she does is good because yeah. she's the one doing it. And, well, and there's an attention-seeking yeah. aspect too, I suspect, because how did you not know? Right, and, and who wasn't telling you? But it's that in a way is of a piece with her thinking that she can stand shoulder to shoulder with oh. the president of the IMF. Remember that? Angela yeah. Merkel and <laughs> Theresa May, not the people. <clears throat> Not sure Theresa May should have been standing just shoulder to shoulder with them either. Probably not, is, but still. But it's totally different. You know, yes, she was an yeah. elected prime minister yeah. and Ivanka's nobody. Actually, just um, can I tell people really quick what Mary's talking about is there's a video at one of the G8s or G20s or whatever, the, the leading NATO, one of the groups of like top allied countries. And you've got the head of the IMF, uh, Christine Lagarde, uh, like you said, I guess it was um, uh, Theresa May, the head of the, of the prime minister of the UK at that time, and somebody else. And Angela the, Merkel. Oh, Angela Merkel. Okay. And the yeah, three Merkel, of them, who's one of the most accomplished, I mean, a chemist. Right. And, Chancellor you know, of Germany. Oh, she's yeah. a brilliant, like, scientist as well, Merkel. Yes. So these women, these three incredible, I mean, and Christine Lagarde, my God, the brain on that woman. The three brilliant women are talking, and Ivanka's there, and if, it reminds you like when you're at a party, and you kind of want to be part of a group, but you're not. And Ivanka has sort of thrown herself into this intimate group of three people talking, and they're all having this, you know, high-level physics discussion or something, and Ivanka's going, oh, yes. Oh, and exactly. I also think that the sun comes out in the morning and they're all just ignoring her, basically. And But she's yeah. literally chiming in with these little sentences and you're watching the video and every time she's doing it, you're cringing because you know exactly what's going on. The Lagarde yeah. eye roll was just classic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that well. She's, I, it, it was an eye roll and there was also this look of, does she really think she's fucking talking to me? Like beyond, it was even beyond an eye roll. It was like, yeah. You know, like just shock that this person thinks she can. I mean, it was it was a beautiful I wish thing. somebody had asked her to go fetch them a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Dear, I need a little freshener here. Little tea, please. <laughs> Probably um, vodka. You know, did you yeah. did you see the story, Mary, that um when Trump was trying to pressure Pence to you know overthrow the election results in essence, and turned to him and he said, you know, if you don't do this, I'm not gonna be your friend anymore. Did you see I mean, that quote? I what? often was as annoyed by the way he would talk like a child as well, I was by the fact that he was doing sociopathic things. Like they were very unnice to me. They were mean to me. Well, but that's my question for Mary. What what is that? I just a thought that was a year very, old. Like Cliff said it, it it sounded like a child, but is does that say something about what's going on in his brain psychologically? I mean, what who who would say something like that at age seventy-three? Well, it's a deeply disturbed person. Um, okay. Listen, there's so much wrong with him. I'm not going to be a friend. You know, some of that's just arrested development. Um, some of that is, well, no, in normal circumstances, one would say a delusional 
idea about how important you are to other people. But again, he's been so propped up for his right. whole life. Like, why wouldn't he think that that would be deeply wounding to somebody? Well, I was going to say, can I say real quick, that, uh, that that was what I was thinking was, in addition to being very childish, like Cliff was saying, I was detecting ego as well, which is, you oh, yeah. want me as your friend, buddy. I'm the best thing ever, and I'm not going to be your friend because that's the biggest hey. commodity out there. There's, I'm going to pass also, a note about you in the cabinet. Yeah, meeting. but there's a so. boosting of myself, although I'm saying it as a child, which is really messed up. Listen, probably the most essential thing about Donald, and I don't say this to garner sympathy for him because he's horrible, but the thing he most craves in this world is to be loved. Hmm. Um, the problem, yes. however, is that my grandfather made him unlovable. So imagine being in that situation. Yeah. And yet also having the deeply, I, I mean, the, it's hard to overstate the depths of his his narcissism so uh, which again is just protection in some ways against his knowledge that he's really quite worthless and not lovable so you know that's the tension um and which is why i've thought all along the the best way to diffuse his his um hold on the party or his his power would be to to mock him and not and say you think I give a shit <laughs> if right. you're my friend, right. I think you're a loser. Right. You know, you lost. I don't want to play with you either. Something <laughs> like that. Um, well, yeah. But nobody ever did that. No, I mean, I, I think that the irony to me, it seems it's not irony. It's more it's like a paradox, right? Which is he cares so much what the important people think about him. He wants to be loved even more. You know, the elites. The guy from Queens looking over into Manhattan, the you know, and all that. But the more he did, he got larger groups of people to love him among the deplorables, the more the exact group of people he wanted to love him despised him. Right. And so it becomes this thing where, you know, and then it's almost like a, a this, you know, cycle because then he gets angry and more resentful because all these people that love Obama can't stand him, don't want to be around him, all you know, and and that he says worse things and it just, it, it, the cycle keeps going. Well, and also um, the people who quote unquote love him are people he despises. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Right. And he, he, <laughs> do you think he would ever play golf with them yeah. or no, deal with them? But what no. do you think he's thinking whenever he has, whenever he's at these rallies or is, I think especially one, because rallies at least they're all blended together. But like when those 12 religious leaders have their hands on him praying, <laughs> what do you think he's really thinking? Suckers. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he can't, he must think, even not. I would find that bizarre, but for he him? He thinks they're assholes. He thinks they're dupes. He yeah. thinks they're marks and they are, you know? Yep. Um, the, but it's, you know, we say, what is he thinking about? He doesn't, he can't acknowledge consciously that he despises the people who love him because that would diminish the importance of their loving him, right? And these so diminish of, it would token, diminish their love too. Like, oh, bad people love me, so what am I? Yeah. Well, he wouldn't say bad. He would just say- Tacky. Because he, he likes the way they hate. You know, right. <laughs> He likes the way they're yeah, angry right. and he uses it. But yeah, the fact that they're lower middle class right. or they like NASCAR or whatever, right. um, you know, they so, like pets. Remember he got on Pence's case early on? Pence was going to have, was it a dog or a cat he was going to have And at the, at the vice president's residence? And Trump 
went off about how low class it was to have pets. Oh, it was a whole story at the beginning. And it was just, I'm like, you hate pets? And you think pets are low class, which also is also sort really of amazing weird. what, yeah, as I say, what he thinks is low class versus like, right. yeah. you know, whatever he does to his hair isn't low class or having a suit that has never once fit you and like looks like it's falling off you isn't low class, but having a pet is. Or like eating fast food three times a day or not exercising right. or, yeah, whatever. Ketchup on your burnt steak. Oh, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's, again, his narcissism is so is such that he will always convince himself that the people who love him are the best. Um, he's the center of the universe. I'm telling you, if the Republican Party had done the responsible thing, and I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, because they never <laughs> will, um, but if they had ignored him and his big lie immediately, rejected him, embraced if not embraced, but at least acknowledged robustly President Biden's <clears throat> overwhelming victory. The good news is Donald would have been rendered pretty much powerless, just like no. any other one-term loser. Um, but he would have gone down to Mar-a-Lago, surrounded himself right. with a group of hardcore sycophants, and he still would have believed that he was in control of everything. Like, it kind of reminded me in some ways, like I, I don't, I'm not saying he's suffering from dementia because um, I don't know. Um, but when my grandfather had really bad Alzheimer's, they took him to his office six days a week. They dressed him up in a suit. His limo drove him out there and he sat behind his desk, like a Vita. probably doing absolutely nothing. And yeah. he still believed that he was running the show. Right. That's kind of what Donald reminds me of, except of course, the Republican party has decided to keep him relevant and powerful, which is one of the reasons we are in the terrible trouble we're in. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably a good segue. Like, I don't really even think we've talked about your book and really what it says and, and you know, what, what we need to learn from it and reminding people it exists and they should buy it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Um, I, I started thinking of the second book about a, la about a year ago, maybe last October, maybe things were still so terrible. We were in our second wave of COVID and um, the economy was in free fall. And yet we still had to worry about the election, yeah. which was it's like unbelievable. It just one hit after another, I know, right? You know, over 200,000 people had died, most of them unnecessarily because of Donald already. And yet, you know, there was a, a greater than 40% chance. I mean, it was just insane. And um, also a lot of us knew that his trying to steal the election ahead of time didn't begin and end with the call to Zelensky. Yes. You know, the, uh, their failure to convict him after the first impeachment was permission to keep doing it. So he was absolutely trying everything in his power to steal the election. And he came really close. Um, and he had sycophants, as you pointed out, who were there all along the way, which we'll talk about later. But that's sorry, right. Go ahead. Uh, so, but in the moment, I was most concerned about, okay, what is going to happen when and if we ever emerge from COVID? Um, We're going to be staring down the barrel of the worst mental health crisis this country has ever seen. We're not prepared for it at the best of times. How can we prepare? You know, um, How can we figure out how to move on? Because I believe that it wasn't until we started to emerge that we were going to see just how big the problem was and just how many people were affected. 
then I realized I, that's not the, what I'm, what can I say that's useful? You know, I, I can craft policy. I can't fund agencies. So, and I certainly can't write 330 million different individual treatment plans. So I thought it would be more useful to take a step back and figure out how the hell did this country get to the point where we were so susceptible to corrupt, incompetent, cruel leaders like Donald that we were so willing to um, follow a party that in the Republican Party, not all of us, but a significant majority of us were willing to um, stick with no matter what a Republican party that is now a full-blown party of fascists um, that has as one of its major platforms, white supremacy. How did this happen? So, um, you know, I'm not a historian, but um, I understand as, as a psychologist, you know, we know that everything is about story in some ways in order to get to the true, the essential truth of where a person is, we need to understand how they got there. Right. So I look back and two things became really clear very early on that from this, you know, I started with the idea that, that from its inception, this country has been traumatized. Either, you know, it's the people, uh, the white people coming here and um, inflicting the trauma, or it's the indigenous population and the kidnapped and enslaved African populations that were traumatized. And this is carried over and compounded through the generations. Um, the trauma is on the one hand and the, the sense of privileges on the other hand. Um, but two other through lines I saw is that two, sorry, two of the reasons I thought, I think that we ended up at this particular moment, and we can sort of think of Donald as the, um, you know, the absurd conclusion of two and a half centuries of this is on the one hand, no powerful white men have ever been held accountable, um, starting with Robert E. Lee. And two, um, we have never acknowledged, let alone atoned for, the how powerful white supremacy has been and continues to be in this country. Um, you know, we now have the Republican Party saying this is not a racist country. And not only is it not now, it never has been slavery notwithstanding. <laughs> so um, I think I think it's borne out, my premise is borne out by what we're seeing happen now. Um, racism is not only not a deal breaker for much of the American electorate, it's it's something that encourages the encourages them. So there's a reason that 12 million more people voted for him in 2020 than did in 2016. And it's not because he was good at his job. Uh, that is for sure. Um, comments, John. I don't even know. <clears throat> I mean, because that, you know, what worries me is that then I'm like, then what the hell can we do? You know, I mean, if I mean, if we're at this point because of all the sin and and I say this, Cliff and I have discussed these topics a lot on the show. I don't think America's different than any other country in terms of the bad things we've done. Every country, every group of people actually has done bad things, but we've got to deal with our bad things. <laughs> so they're not to be ignored simply because others have done bad things, too. But but there's a little bit of a I worry sometimes because I feel like, well, shit, if it goes back 400 years you know, to slavery, but also every other bad thing we've done, then how the hell do you fix it? Because it's like trying to fix somebody at age 90 for a life of traumas, in essence, you know? I mean... Well, we're quite young. 
as okay. a democracy. <laughs> that we're, you know? that we're 38. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're like adolescents. Um, okay. I mean, for it's important though to point out uh, that there has been progress. I mean, there was the yes. Equal Rights Amendment in 64, the Voting Rights Act in 65, um, which have been largely undone, but they were accomplished, right. you know, so. Well, but LGBT um, and frankly race, there's been a hell of a lot of progress on race just culturally from when yeah. I was a kid to now. I mean, when I was a kid in the 60s. I mean, this is way more acceptance today. I mean, interracial marriage. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, told you, I, I have a, I'll tell you really quick, because I've mentioned this once a long time ago, and I say this about my mother, who is a saint. And I think I told her this once recently, and she went, oh, my God, I said that. But this is like late 1960s. I must have been six years old, but boy, it's stuck in my head. And we're outside, like, the Art Institute, I think, because I remember the big lions and Ma, in Chicago. And mom, we see a, bl- a black and white couple walk by, one white, one black. And mom says, you know, I know it's wrong. I mean, she meant to say this, but it just makes me uncomfortable. And first of all, be careful what you say to your kids, because I remember this. And now she goes, oh, my God, I didn't say that. I was like, oh, my, you did. And, you know, that kind of thing, my mother is mortified that she would think something like that today. I think a lot of us have come a long way. And like you said, LGBT, or I said LGBT, women. I mean, we've made incredible progress in just the last 50 years. I just wanted mm-hmm. to jump in because I think even on other issues, it's, I think we've, people under, undercut sometimes the success we've made, I think. Undercut, uh, yeah. Uh, feel it, to recognize. It, it's, it's very important to keep that in mind. Otherwise, what's, what's the point? as you said earlier, like what, what hope is there? Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is that uh, the, mor- the arc of the moral universe, it may bend towards justice, <laughs> but it's not really an arc. It's more like the EKG of a patient in cardiac yeah. arrest. Right. So, you know, for every... Occasionally you have to, like, shock it. <laughs> you have to shock it, but, you know, you, you get to here and then you get brought back down there oh, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. almost flatlined because people like Donald got into the Oval Office right. or people right. like Mitch McConnell exist or whatever. And, you know, part of the struggle is that this country has never actually been a democracy. Um, there have always been significant numbers of people who've been kept out of the franchise. Hmm. Um, and continue to be because of voter suppression legislation that Republicans are pushing or partisan gerrymandering or whatever. So I think one one thing we need to remember is that there are more of us than there are of them. Um, And keeping that in mind, we need to somehow (laughs) convince the Democrats who are in government that um, we're the majority and we need to govern as such. Otherwise, we're going to lose everything. And that, I'm not entirely sure why they don't seem to understand that. I'm sure some of them do, but not enough of them do. It gets, I mean, I'll say, we talk about that a lot in this show, yeah. lack of their willingness to be aggressive and message. And it gets so frustrating. I mean, because we're up against people who, again, have shown they have no respect for democracy. They'll use every accidental advantage from the Electoral yeah. College to, you know, the two senators from cow states. Um, and then but at the same time, they'll take advantages that aren't provided for them in the Constitution. I mean, Mitch McConnell not advising and consenting on, on Merrick Garland, it's in the Constitution. Meanwhile, we sit here, and what's not in the Constitution is the filibuster. Right. What's not in the Constitution is the parliamentarian. And, like, we're sitting here watching this, and you're thinking to yourself, if you've got a country you think is potentially on the precipice, where you could fall to full-blown authoritarianism, and yet, based on our Constitution— 
you have a vice president who's the president of the Senate who could walk in today and declare, uh, I'm the president of the Senate. I make the rules. That's the way it's always been. Majority minority leaders don't exist in the Constitution either. I'm mm -hmm. declaring that the, the I'm changing the rules, declaring the, the filibuster to be gone. Um, I'm declaring a, a majority like she could do that. But here we are, instead of using the tools we have in the Constitution, we won't use the power it gives us to bend over backwards for norms that hinder us even further. And they'll use power not given to them. To me, that's the biggest, you know, asymmetrical part of what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And and um, what people like Manchin don't seem to realize is that by claiming that bipartisanship is a, a necessary function of governing, he's essentially trying to make common cause with a party of fascists who don't believe in democracy and who, if given the opportunity, will make sure that this country becomes a theocratic apartheid state. Yeah, I mean, it's the party whose very local you know, divisions, if you want to talk about it, are the ones making it necessary for us to pass the voting rights. It's, it's like, you know, in Michigan, in Ohio here, in Arizona, in Florida, they're the ones who are passing these laws, Texas, to take away voting rights. We're like, but we're going to talk to your national guys. And unless some of them agree with us that the local guys are doing bad things, then we're not going to do anything about it. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's mystifying because at the most basic level, the, Demo the Republicans only want Republicans to be able to vote and the Democrats want everybody to be able to vote, right? Right. So it's pretty much that simple. So um, why, <laughs> like, why it's even a question uh, that why it's even debatable is is kind of bizarre to me, um, and yet we're still debating this stuff, um, and the Republicans are still being given the power. And they're being given it. They're not seizing it, although they right. would seize it if they <clears throat> needed to, right. um, to interfere with the democratic process. And they're essentially using the big lie that there was enormous amounts of voter fraud to push for voter suppression. So their voter suppression legislation is based on a lie yep. um, because <clears throat> like the number of fraudulent votes cast in the last billion votes cast is vanishingly small. It's like 30 or something. Right. And they were billion. almost all for Trump, by the way. In all seriousness, the case they discovered were, yep. you know. Yep. So, I mean, it's, I know. And, and I, I mean, it, it's hard to know what to do in that circumstance. Because sometimes you just want to scream and yell. It seems so obvious to me what needs to be done. And they, won't, they, just, they, they won't do it. That's why well, it's so and, infuriating. I mean, in yeah. one part of what you were saying, Mary, is <clears throat> that not that Democrats should take the opposite point of view and say, let's make sure Republicans can't vote. But when you're negotiating and one party is saying, right, like you said, my position is Democrats shouldn't vote. The other guy's position is everybody should vote. And then the public goes, OK, well, let's have a compromise. So what if you do? You now have a watered down version of Republicans should vote. Somebody, Cliff, I don't know if you said this the other day or somebody else said to me, which I didn't realize that um, California's uh, uh, gerrymandering law or whatever, that basically the new congressional districts are done in some impartial way, whether it's an independent commission or something like that, right? 
Yeah. Right. Yes. And you or somebody else raised the point of that's great. But in every other state, it's screwing Democrats. So what Democrats just did is they ceded any ability to sort mm -hmm. of push back and, OK, make make California a little more unfairly Democratic because every other state is screwing Democrats. And and frankly, I think Biden's in the same position. Biden. We don't get the concept of leverage. Well, it's worse no, than that. Cliff. It's wait, Can I say real quick, Mary? It's course. Biden. Same problem with Biden. Love Biden, but I think we've got to be critical of Biden to get to make a better Biden. Biden is in this position where he's trying to be the president America needs and not realizing that America, like, you can't be the bipartisan president. You can't be the nice guy where if you only stick to the issues, you know, keep talking about the economy, COVID and infrastructure and everything will be fine when the other guys are trying to literally have another coup to turn us into an authoritarian state. And we're not even yeah, talking I mean, about think, Trump as a party because, oh, he's gone. Let's mm -hmm. not talk about him when he's planning on overthrowing everything. Yeah, he's not fucking gone, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's that Biden is trying to be the president he thinks we need. <laughs> we need somebody playing hardball. Yeah. We need somebody who's not who doesn't put institutions above democracy, just like we need journalists who don't put um, yes. you know, equal time for both sides above <laughs> democracy. Right. Um, and we also need somebody who understands, as you guys were just talking about, negotiating. There are some things like the infrastructure bill. Right. You do have to negotiate because we're talking about money, and but you start at twenty trillion. If you want five, you start at twenty trillion right. because they're starting at zero. So if you get down to five, you've made bigger concessions than they've made. There are yep. certain things that are non-negotiable because this is a democracy and you do not make common cause with anti-democratic counter-majoritarians. So for something like voting rights, you don't say, okay, we want everybody to vote. You don't want anybody to vote in the middle. You say, right. everybody votes, period. This is not a negotiation. Right. Same right. thing with a woman's right to choose. Right. This is not negotiable. Uh, it doesn't, the reason is none of your business. This right. is a matter of privacy. There should there are no exceptions because this is a personal medical healthcare decision. Right. Same thing in my view, same thing with guns. There should be zero guns in this country. What is amazing, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of changing the subject, but I know Cliff, this is your your matter of expertise. No, you're making a lot of sense. So um, so I think that there should be no guns. And they think there should be all of the guns at all times in the hands of everybody completely unregulated. What's I think really telling about where we are as a cult culture, culturally, is that their position is totally acceptable and mine would be considered insane. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and you know what, I, I've always even been somebody who where I, I believe in very strong regulation. But if you go through a background check and all that stuff, you want you live in rural areas, you want a rifle. I'm good with that. But the truth is, is that maybe we're, maybe you need to step out and say we're taking all of your guns to get them to meet you where they get where, you know where you need them to meet you. Just because they, they're accusing us of that anyhow, and all all most of us are trying to do is have the same kinds of same laws other countries have, where there's gun ownership, Canada or Scandinavia or places like that, and and you know they won't let us get anywhere near that. Right. 
So you're right. I mean, it may just be that you have to take it that much further to get them to meet you in the middle. Well, and frankly, let's have that discussion. Let's make them prove their case. I mean, I would argue, I totally get why, you know, when I was in Alaska, fair enough. You needed a gun when we went camping right. because literally, the, and I was like, why do we need a shotgun? Because we, there might be bear. And I went, bears. we need to right. defend ourselves against bears. Apparently we do. That freaked yeah. me out. I wasn't thrilled about camping at that point, but also I get, I really was. I was like. And John, like, has, John has never camped again, everyone. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't since then, but I would. But I mean, like, I'm not exactly <laughs> Mr. Rough and Tumble. I was like, we need a gun. But so I get it in those situations. But you know what? It's Don't another this- reason to hate camping. Sorry. Exactly. Well, no, but don't give me this bullshit no about showers. You need guns. Just you know, you but, know but, in the woods. But, but, nothing's but good. Don't, but don't give me this bullshit about you've got to defend your family. Bullshit. Bullshit. You live in a big city. You got to defend your family. How many people literally need guns to defend their families? And you know what? If you're worried about someone coming into your place, then let's. I know the left is going to hate me for saying this. Then let's support the police and have more cops. But I mean, give me this. Bu- I mean, something. But don't give no, me this to bullshit. Me, John, argue, if you, but if make justify. And wait, but Cliff, that's, and people, wait, yeah, but, sorry, no, but my point is make them defend themselves. Don't just give me this bullshit about everyone has the right to defend their family. Why the fuck do you need a gun? Like, yeah. seriously, well, I mean, all our again, homes are going to be broken up, into? Really? You brought up the only times I can accept. I went to camp up in New Hampshire. I can accept in rural areas and, you know, that there's hunting. There's also protecting yourself from a bear. So, yeah, you know, like rifles, right. shotguns licensed, registered, you have to go right. through a psych test, you have to go through a background. Right. I'm, all, I'm all for that, and I'm okay with yeah. that. Um, hobbyist? And, and bullshit. It. Hobbyist, but you the don't rest get of it gun. is bullshit. You know, then I want grenades as a hobbyist. Give me a break, you get a gun as a hobbyist. No way. A big problem is that for, well, Cliff, you would know for how many years, if not decades, the right has been blocking um, research into gun violence. Yes. So people, 20 years, most yeah. people don't understand that if you have a gun in your house, you, the chances of you or somebody you love being right. shot to death uh, increase dramatically. Like you're more likely to be shot or have mm-hmm. somebody you love right. shot than some phantom intruder. It's, I think a right. 450 to 500% chance. So it's you're four to five times more likely because a couple yeah. of our government's not doing it, but like the Harvard school, I believe of they have a, in their health school, they've got like an injury, you know, gun violence injury program and some of these kinds of things have done those studies. And it's, as clear as day, you know? And I agree with you. I want to go back to something you said. What's so important on the abortion rights debate is that, to me, the minute we agreed to that, the I'm sorry, I don't know how else to put it, the bullshit of the Hyde Amendment is when, right away, you get to have, I don't get to have a conscience clause about how you spend my money. What if I don't want my money going to Iraq for a war? Explain what if I don't want my money being used on the death penalty? Cliff, explain the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment says that only one group of people, those who are anti-choice, get to say, I don't want my tax funds going to things I find morally abhorrent. So for a while, it still exists, I I think, right? We've weakened it to a certain degree, whatever. But public funds cannot be used uh, for, for Medicaid, for example, and other programs for women to get abortions. And yet my public funds, as in what I pay in taxes, can be used for all sorts of things that I find morally right. important. And right away, we agreed to that. We, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. Joe Manchin supports the Hyde Amendment. Right. You know, right. Ridiculous. Um, I don't so, want my money going to Joe Manchin. Right. How about no, this? He makes seriously. half a million dollars yeah. a year from mining companies. I don't want there to be any more mining because I find that important. Can we take all federal subsidies away from mining companies? Yeah, it, listen, it, we we are in such dire straits um, when apparently the most powerful person on the planet is a senator f- 
one of two senators from a state with like one twentieth of the population of Cal California. I think it might even be less than that. It may be um, less, yeah. I think it is quite a bit less. And um, with the not just with things like the Hyde Amendment, um, because he's certainly not going to uh, agree to getting rid of the filibuster to do anything about these abhorrent, uh, the abhorrent SB8 law in Texas um, yeah. that essentially ends a woman's right to choose. Um, he's also dragging his feet and um, making it almost impossible for the Democrats to get their infrastructure bill through. He said recently that it seemed he didn't want to spend money unnecessarily, like you know, yeah. to help feed children and um, stuff like that. Our crumbling infrastructure and give, give healthcare jobs. to people unnecessary. In the event, you know, because there might be another war down the road. So he's against spending three point five trillion dollars over ten years. People forget that part. Over ten years. But he's totally cool with spending almost a trillion dollars per year right. on defense. It's it's and he's I think that's West the part I wanted to say, like one of the top three poorest country uh, states in the country. Right. right. It's the, the, the way we don't even debate what we're willing to spend on defense. And half the time, I think most people voting on don't even know where all the damn money is going. No big contracts sometimes are certainly overpaid defense companies and this kind of thing. And it's like, you know, we don't even discuss that. Um, but no. we're, we're, we're freaking out over 2.5 trillion over 10 years here. And honestly, like I, whenever I see um, military marching bands, like my head explodes because just imagine how much th <laughs> those cost. Oh my God, you're probably, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. And I know that's right. not the biggest problem. No, I know, but it's but, just, it's just, a, it's an example of the waste and the sort of the knee jerk whatever the jingoism or what have you that people seem to think that the only way to be supportive of your country is to uh, spend money on weapons uh, on war you know so we need to tell the pentagon i'm not going to be your friend anymore <laughs> but it needs to be said exactly. like i'm not i'm not going to be your friend anymore you just say it like that say well, they like were very nice to me the pentagon wasn't nice they didn't say nice things about me um, hey, I want to bring up one thing because I, I well, there were, I was uh, going to say there was some recent news we wanted to ask you about too before you go. Some well, of the, this yeah. is sort of maybe related to some of that, but but you made a comment. I don't remember. You're on so many TV shows, Mary. It's hard to know which which one it was on. <laughs> By the way, good job with Megan McCain. Um, but we'll we can talk about that another time. Fun. Thank you for saying what we were all thinking. Wait, I missed um, it. Wait, I missed what she did with Megan McCain. Are you kidding me? No, well, yeah. she's gonna, she may have to tell it if she's okay. Oh, you're you're no. good with that. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. There was the first time and there was the most recent time. But anyway, <laughs> the first time I was on The View last year, Megan made it very clear that she didn't like me. And she said it like a toddler because she is. Um, <laughs> and as you can imagine, I cared so deeply about that. That right. I just had you're still to, getting over that. I, I, I'm in therapy. Like Megan, the president of the United States doesn't like me. You think I care what you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... The second time I was on, she was on vacation, hallelujah. And then most recently in August, uh, I was on the Monday of her very last week ever oh. on the show. Right. And I spoke with the producer ahead of time to go over, like they all wanted, all five of them wanted to ask me questions. And right. and 
Megan was going to be on. I was like, oh, I'm sure she's thrilled I'm coming back. <laughs> and the producer was like, no, no, she's really oh. interested in the mental health aspect of things. And yeah. these questions on, like, yeah, oh, whatever. Sure. So the next day, because it's everything Zoom now, before the show begins or goes live, each host comes on individually to say hi. And Whoopi Goldberg's like, hey, thanks so much for, for coming back. Joy Behar, Mary, let's get together for lunch. So the other two, very nice, polite. Yeah. Megan comes on and she does this. Hello, it's Megan. And that was it. That was it? That was it. You're like, what is this, therapy? She, like, she's so yeah, pathetic. Like, God. So oh, for God. reasons I can't, I'm not quite sure why. I was so angry, so angry. I'm like, all right, I am going to do something here. <laughs> And then oh, I found out that even though she had been on the segment <laughs> before mine, right. she wasn't going to be on my segment. Oh, she ducked like, out. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. <laughs> so I was only supposed to be on one segment, but they brought me back after the commercial. Right. Like, thank goodness, because I hadn't right. been able to find an opening. Right. And then I realized I don't need an opening. I'm going to make up an opening. So the very last question was about whether or not Donald's going to run. Right. So I basically said something like, I don't know, but I have to say that I so appreciate you, all of your willingness to take on the difficult issues because they had started talking about Vice President Harris and misogyny and racism. Right. And, you know, you have a very powerful platform here, and it's so important to have these kinds of conversations. It's just a shame that your colleague doesn't have the courage to come on and have this conversation with me. Oh my God. How did <laughs> and, you miss uh, this job? Oh Thank you so much. I, and then they cut to Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> who starts to, cause she's, Whoopi's like, mm-hmm. Right. And then Whoopi starts to say probably, you know, goodbye, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And she's, then she does this. And then she says, thank you so much for being here. So <laughs> 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 the professor's like, not for the producer her producers probably like get her megan's get her. actually even better megan's demanding to come on cut the segment that's gonna it. explode oh Maybe she was gonna Can you see megan pushing her little zoom button going let me fucking talk oh yeah so no because she's a coward so megan because she's an idiot tweets at me <laughs> and probably sold more books for me than anybody else because donald didn't sue me this time around and she basically said, there's no good Trump. Leave me and my family the fuck alone. My family? <laughs> First of all, she's therefore also saying that my cousin Baron, who's a teenager, yeah. is also oh, not that's a good true person. too, right. And there are other children Trumps right. rolling around, um, right. including my daughter. So anyway, I tweeted back something like, of course, this isn't true, but yeah. I needed to do something. Um, I have the utmost respect for... Megan's parents. Yep. Um, yep. But it's a shame that, you know, that, you know, this is what entitlement looks like and it's so dangerous or whatever. Right. And it was hysterical and it went viral and it was really Did she fun. jump back or no? No. Oh, I'm sorry. She she blocked you. Did she block you after that? Did she what? She's very liberal with the block button. Anybody says anything she slightly doesn't like, she's... Well, I don't follow her, so... Well, no, I never followed her too, but I, somehow she ended up. Oh, you can up in block my... somebody you don't follow. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh wow. yeah. Somehow she ended up in. in somebody <laughs> retweeted or did something with her whining and saying something stupid, and so I don't even remember. I just made some offhand sarcastic remark. Now remember, I wrote a book that was very critical of her dad, right. but that would mean she'd have to do the research to find that out. 
And I don't, I, I, I doubt she does looks into anything that deeply. So my guess is she just saw the, uh, you know, the sarcastic remark and then mm-hmm. blocked me immediately. And apparently the that's a thing with her. Is your friend, Mary? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I mute people. You can mute too. Yeah, muting's good too. Yeah. I don't pay really that much attention to people yeah. I don't agree with on Twitter because yeah. life is hard enough. But I think her response was to tell everybody who would listen that I'm just simply worthless and and yeah. she shouldn't have to spend time with me. Yeah. When did you well, check her family? She was being paid to be the host of a show, so yeah. that's just her problem. Exactly. She, she had to spend time with you. That's the way it works when exactly. you have a job. It, right. She it doesn't know that because she's never had a real job. <laughs> and and oh, I, can't I you did I'm, that. There's a reason she got this one, but I can't quite remember what it is. Exactly. It's related to something. It, was the, it must be the multiple PhDs and all of the yeah. hard work she's done in political science and history and incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not one for ad hominem attacks, but she has, she's not. There are some people that, that, I, you know, there are some people that just deserve it and there's nothing you can do. I don't walk around launching ad hominems, but some of these people are so awful. Yeah. Um, which speaking of, I don't know if this, you'd call this an ad hominem, but what I was going to ask you about, and I brought up the Megan McCain thing because that was one of my favorites. The other thing you said on one of the shows you were on um, this time around is you called Mitch McConnell the biggest traitor since Robert E. Lee, which I wanted to stand up and applaud mm-hmm. for you because so, he's so normalized in D.C. and He's so accepted as, oh, well, Trump is out, you know, outside the boundaries of what's acceptable without looking at the fact that, which I bet your book does, that these very conditions, I mean, if you could name a few people, Newt Gingrich, Mitch McConnell, just a few of these arsonists of democracy that have burned down so much so that someone like Trump could come along. And so I'm just so glad you said that because I'm so tired of the fact that they will not criticize how evil and awful this man is. Yeah, I mean, the book has an entire chapter about um, the insidiousness of Mitch McConnell and how um, the only thing you can say about Robert E. Lee is is at least he took a stand and tried to bring us down from the outside, whereas Mitch McConnell's trying to do it within, portraying himself as a purveyor of democracy when he's the opposite. And I also point out that in our history, there has been no institution more anti-democratic than the Supreme Court, um, which we are, some of us are learning (laughs) for the first time. Um, because that's another institution, that's something else that gets normalized, um, yep. you know, and it's not just these six to, I think all three of those, those, uh, Republican, uh, seats are corrupt. Um, but that's my opinion. Um, and I don't mean to suggest that the, the Supreme court, every version of it has been anti-democratic, but, um, at every, almost every turn throughout our history, when the uh, Supreme Court has had the opportunity to expand democracy, they've chosen not to. So starting with um, Dred Scott. Right. No, we just got lucky for that 140 or so year period because we elected FDR 27 times, um, which I, I'm okay with. Um, I think it was four, but yeah. I know, I, I exaggerate for fun, <laughs> um, but also Truman. I mean, we had like actual solid, you know, there are still some conservatives here, but we had a, a very oh, good overall Supreme Court. We never would have gotten any of the the, the kinds of equality that we got um, around race and, and anything else. And then, and then the Reagan group started and we really haven't resembled a Supreme Court that, that has the views of this country in 40 years now, even though we've won pretty much every election, popular vote, I should say. I, I think what is, um, let's see, 
the Republican, the Republicans who've gotten into the White House, who've lost the popular vote, have appointed nine justices and the Democrats have appointed two or something. I, my it numbers sounds- are off, but it's, it's, it's quite, the system is so broken. We need term limits. Uh, Biden needs to expand the court yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's not. It, Another one of those things not in the Constitution that we nope. could do right now and are just not doing because of norms or whatever that don't exist for the other side. Never. I mean, that's if Donald did nothing else, he proved, well, he did a lot of actually useful things accidentally because he too is a moron who doesn't know anything about <laughs> government. Yes. Um, I mean, whether or not he's actually an idiot, I don't know. But when it comes to the uh, United States and, and how its government works, he knows nothing. <laughs> so um, he's shown us that he's shown us how fragile our institutions are because he just was able to dismantle them so quickly yeah. um, and almost destroy some of them, like the State Department uh, and the DOJ. Um, and he's shown us that norms don't, not only do they not matter, they don't exist anymore. Again, except the Democrats seem to think they do and act accordingly, which is going to get us all killed probably. Yes. And I'm not happy now, but it's true. Go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say what you just said, uh, uh, James Carville was on the show and he was talking about the responsibility gene. And I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, oh, Hillary says, Hillary Clinton says Democrats always basically sort of our fault, but our plus as well is that we have the responsibility gene. And yeah. he meant, or she meant, or she means that we're always the ones that have to come and be the adults in the room, whereas the other mm-hmm. guys get to be crazy. And yep. I don't know if she meant this, but I think she probably did, because I do. It's that earlier discussion we had about how the Republicans will stake out crazy land it's the same thing with the debt limit debate right now. We've got to be the same ones, and then we get punished for being sane. Yeah. Well, here's what it is, right? AOC wears that dress to the Met Gala, okay? Maybe it's goofy. Her dress said tax the rich I would argue the back. that perhaps, perhaps wearing that dress to something that costs $35,000 a ticket is, is you're, you're, you're sabotaging your own message, and it, and it was goofy. Yeah. But you're now going to equate that with Lauren Boebert saying that Christians should rise up and Biden's an illegitimate president and essentially calling for another armed rebellion. I, I see Mary's cat. It's so cute. Um, and oh, yeah. well, I'm saying nice things here. I it's can't. Cute. I mean, I, I love cats. So, you know, <laughs> it's just a little but, but in, in the corner. I know. Look at that. So adorable. <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> let me try to get angry There's again. The little, uh, right and, and we're equating that. Right. Yeah, there, there we go. Oh. Oh, there you go. Oh, so cute. Adorable. That's and, Lyndon. I mean, it, Lyndon? 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 Right. As in Johnson or a different Lyndon? No, <laughs> no. It's my daughter's middle name. Oh, I was the oh. Johnson too. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> okay. okay. Would you say was the last thing you said? She has a healthy ego. She named healthy. her. I, I like that. Hey, I named my son after my middle name. So I don't know what that says about me. I didn't want to no, have Cliff senior and junior, but I yeah. named Douglas. I never use it. We liked it. So yeah. there you go. I'm totally cool with that. In any case, uh, that, that's my problem. And the media you brought up, because I rail about this to the point where I probably just, John wants to just throw me off the show sometimes, because I think the media is so responsible for so much of this, is that their job in a democracy is to give everybody the stakes of what, if you vote this way, here's what happens, to explain everybody what is going on so we can then vote and be citizens accordingly. But instead, it's 
vanilla or chocolate? Do you like this better? Hey, AOC wore a dress to this gala. And that's and, and guess what else happened? Lauren Boebert called for armed insurrection. See, they both have their crazies. And that's what we deal with. Yeah, I, I mean, they and they seem not to learn uh, from their mistakes. Um, you know, the media need to be neutral when it comes to presenting the facts. And always, as I said earlier, they need to be pro-democracy. Otherwise, what's the point of them? And yep. you can't be pro-democracy if you're giving equal time and de equal deference to a side like that represents the things Lauren Boebert is um, promulgating. You can't. Yes. Right. Or I blame us. But I blame. I'll say quickly, John, yeah, or yeah, yeah. somebody. You know, this became a big thing on Twitter the other day because one of the Daily Show writers was it Joe Negrin or one of the ones tweeted out stuff on on how, who Chuck Todd has been having on, and yeah. literally every week it's like, and John's brought this up before too. It's like three reporters and a Republican consultant, right. and it means he's bought the a whole mythology that the, the media is liberal, so he feels like they're on our side. Hint, they're not. Well, um, but, and yeah. and so he has to balance it out with a Rich Lowry or a Ben Dominich or I mean one of these people. It's ridiculous. But I blame us for Go not ahead, holding. The, but I blame us for not holding them accountable and for not doing the messaging, which takes us back to what we were discussing earlier. Because no, Mary, what I mean by this is a, a part of what happens with the media is you also have to a you can pressure the media i did it with john king on cnn he always would have these three real journalists and then one fucking crazy republican with the federalist or something and i was like what the fuck i mean there was i went back and looked at all of his old shows for like a year and a half there might have been one democrat once and 25 of these crazies guess what he stopped doing it and, i mean i kept tweeting at him he even responded once and was like well um, he stopped doing it. Now he only has journalists on, and now Abby Phillips too. They only have reporters on. They don't have the crazies. So you can't. But so part of it is is recognizing that you've got to push back to make a difference, and you can. Part of it is recognizing that some of this is just the way the media is. I don't mean with the bias. I mean with they go after the shiny penny, and Republicans are very good at making AOC the shiny penny. We're not nearly as good at making Lauren Boebert or Matt Gates the shiny penny. And that's what you know, pisses me off is our messaging that, sucks, I think. Yeah, I, and part of that also is the impulse not to give it oxygen. Um, like, right. I've never mentioned Bobert or the woman with three names. Uh, like, I don't... I don't <laughs> Margie, three names, as we yeah, call Yeah, I don't talk about them on Twitter. I don't retweet right. anything about them um, because I think... I mean, they're a huge problem, but... Not, they're not the problem. And I feel the same way about Donald, not that he can't be ignored because he has so much power. Right. But the problem is that the Republican Party not just accepts them, but promotes them. You know, people like Elise Stefanik, who's a Ugh. fascist um, yep. from New York um, and replaced Liz Cheney uh, as the third most powerful- Who used to be Republican. a fascist. Well, I mean- <laughs> I, I mean, ironically, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Listen, I, yeah. she voted with Donald ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. So lovely of her to to realize that democracy is matters. But but I'm, but I'm glad she is. Hmm? I, I'm, I'm glad agreed. she is, though. I'm glad that she <laughs> yeah. is speaking up. But it's ironic because she was the worst of the worst before. It doesn't yeah. wipe away the fact that she got us here, partially. Yes. Yeah. You know. But anyway, so um, I think people on our side don't including me, like, I don't want to talk about these people. I don't, but the media should, like, if they're going to talk about the stupid dress thing, 
then why aren't they talking about the fact that um, this horrible uh, congresswoman from Georgia took a rocket launcher? Yeah. And almost and took her own died. eye out, by the way, because she doesn't obviously she doesn't know what the she's doing and blew up a car that had socialism painted on it. Speaking of prepubescent idiots, I mean, that if you're talking about one, you should talk about the other. But again, though, that's not good enough because right. it, as you said, Cliff, it equates them. Yeah, correct. What, what, what's her name is doing is dangerous and it's a lie. We are not socialists. They can't even define what socialism means, right? Um, she doesn't want to get rid of a socialist agenda. She wants to get rid of the fact, she wants to get rid of, you know, childcare and good stuff. Right. Um, what Cort, uh, Cortez? Um, Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio-Cortez, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did, you know, whether you liked it or not, it was messaging. It was right. saying what she was basically in a very odd context. She was saying what she believes in. Right. Yeah. With which there's nothing wrong. And it's not that yes, crazy of an idea she, either, though. No, nothing what she's saying is crazy. You can right. disagree, no. but it's not crazy. But I mean, you could also yeah. say that, you know what? Doing wearing that dress to a gala populated with the insanely rich. Right. Yeah. You know what? That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair. But it's yeah. not dangerous. It's not blowing up a car. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's not a lie. Right. You know, and you I, might think it's hypocritical. Right. I don't know. Right. But you can't say that she's doing anything dangerous or mendacious. I didn't even think it was hypocritical. I just thought the atmosphere means you're stepping on your message a little bit. But whatever, I, I guess that's any what which I, way. That, that's in which I mean. way it's it, they're not and I think there's elements of what you and John are saying that are both true and we've talked about that and they're almost like synergistic which is mm. the media covers these types of things the way they do and I don't think John was making the point that you need mm. to be calling out Marjorie Taylor Greene or John even does or I even do it's <laughs> it's the where's the it's where the Democratic Party organ you yeah, know, yeah. where's where's yes. the you know it's it's the, their messaging the DNC the DCCC while I love some of what they do, and maybe it's not even them, maybe we should just talk about leadership in Congress or whoever. Why aren't there press conferences weekly on listing the insane things people have said on the other side? Why isn't there constant advertising digitally to reach key groups who want to on, on yeah. the insane things they're saying? These things all happen, and then they go down the memory hole, and nobody even remembers. And I mean, I just remembered the other day. Right. I just remembered the other day when I was thinking about naming when somebody was like, oh, Joe Biden has dementia. I'm like, well, did he tell people to drink bleach or did he? Yep. And it came back to me. I'd forgotten that Donald Trump said we should nuke hurricanes like yep. because yep. our people aren't talking yep. about it. Yep. Like we just yep. let it go. And yep. we're not, you know, and they'll bring up something that, that we did that's not one billionth as bad from, you know, from years ago and turn it into something. And Cliff, that's what frustrates slurred, me. All of Trump's slurred speech. You could compile that in one video. The point, actually, the point Cliff is getting to, this isn't for Mary, this is for the audience, but is that you sort of have these prepared talking points with proof, and every time somebody brings something up, you bring it up and throw it at them, right? Like Don Jr. Don Jr. should be destroyed. Donnie, as we now are going to call him, should be destroyed with his collusion with Russia. The fact that he was willing to meet with the Russians and said, I love it when the Russians wanted to get involved in our election, that's the end of Donnie. Matt Gates. every fucking time they put that man out there, or he puts himself out there, we talk about, you know, 
Sex child trafficking. Sex trafficking. Every time Jim Jordan, we talk about the, the, the college kids getting raped and him standing by. But you, you've got like the key points that you bring up every time and you, you keep talking and talking and talking. And this is what, mind you, as he said, oh, Biden has dementia. They keep bringing it up and it starts to sink in. That's the right. point. You, and we don't even bring up the sucks. truth, which is if they knew, if Jim Jordan knew every time he opened his clown mouth at one of these hearings, that's what he was going to hear. And somebody would say, well, the gentleman from Ohio who ignored what was going on in Ohio State yep. when young men and women were being raped. And then you go to your point. Every time they should, you know. If I had the opportunity and, and, you know, and again, I said this earlier, I'd never understood this, like why people were so deferential to Donald, even people who knew how dangerous he was. Just call him a loser to his face and see what happens. Yeah. Um, like, I think this. And, and this is a problem with how we approach pretty much everything. When we talk about the founding fathers, the very first thing we should know about most of them is that they enslaved and tortured other human beings. Yes, they did other things too, but I think that's sort of a defining um, moment or in a person's life, right? Yeah. Whenever we talk about uh, Donald, you know, if they bring up Biden's so-called dementia or whatever, yes, talk about the bleach. But the very first thing anybody should say about Donald John Trump is that he's directly responsible right. for the deaths yep. of over 700 people. He tried to violently overthrow Americans. the... Oh, that too. I'm sorry. You're right. COVID. You're right. COVID. Robert yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. You know, no pulling yeah. punches. He's a yeah. mass murderer. He did right. it on purpose because he thought yeah. it was a winning political strategy. Yeah. And initially, it was because he just couldn't face the fact that he was wrong. Yeah. It, you right. know, and, and, then, he, and, and then he tried to violently overthrow the government. That was the right. second, but the key the is, talking point. And I think this is what John was also saying, is that when you frame something that way initially and bring it up, then when it happens in the future, you've already prepped the media and for people to understand what it is you're talking about. So the classic oh. thing is, is, had we done that, just let me finish this one yeah, point. Yeah, it's okay. Had yeah. we done that to Donald Trump, then it would be natural that right now when we bring it up with DeSantis, and Abbott yep. and Kim Reynolds and these other, you know, the one yep. Lee in Tennessee, these other ghouls that are letting their people die. We would have already prepped them by blaming Trump yep. for all this time. So it would be natural that, yep. that these guys are responsible too. Yep. Cliff, for example, Christy Nome in South Dakota, the Republican governor. Well, of <laughs> course, of course, she's being bad on COVID because she comes from a party that just killed 600,000 Americans. There's your talking point. But right. this is how you do it. You, you, uh, Trump, Trump doing all his 9-11 bullshit. Well, of course he didn't go to the official ceremony and he moderated a boxing ring. This is a guy who killed 600,000 people. Of course, 3,000 people is a drop in the bucket to him. And boy, that talking point makes news. I guarantee you that. But, right. but you tie everything, every... Well, one he the, was one happy of, that day because his building yeah. became the tallest one in New York, as he said. Like, there, there you go. One, one of the tricks you learn in messaging, especially doing TV, especially doing TV is not only do you have your two or three talking points, which we've talked about on the show before, but you definitely learn how to turn every fucking conversation to your talking points. Yeah. And, and Democrats, I mean, and we, I, and we I, also I, don't do it collectively either though. Like you might be good, Mary, but we don't get, you know, MSNBC and our new, our newspapers, what newspapers, I was going to say, what, what news network really, <laughs> but we don't get this coordination of everybody together pushing the talking point nonstop that they do on their side. No, and it, and it is the the first problem is it's not easy to do that um, in a way that feels organic. Right. It took me a really long time <laughs> to learn how to answer the question I wish they had asked instead right. of the question they actually did ask. Right. And it's yeah. it's 
it's a skill that yes, it is. is difficult to acquire. Yes. Um, and it's also something that you get out of practice doing, as I've yep. learned recently. So, so there's as you, that. As you did with Megan, but yeah. much more importantly, if it's not collective, then, you know, I go out there and I say quite matter-of-factly that Donald is a mass murderer because he is. I sound like a raving lunatic. Right, Meanwhile, right. Republic, the Republican Party in total, en masse, calls us a party, they call us Leninist, Marxist, right, right. communist, we, socialist. We murder babies. And yeah. then when we randomly say they're fascist, it just makes it sound like it's name calling. Yeah. Even You're though we can define right. the way in which they're fascist and they don't even know what Marxism, Leninism, right. socialism, and communism are. So right. it's a No, mind. that's exactly right. We don't, we don't sort of create that narrative about them. They do it in a fake way about us, and we don't even do it with the truth about them. Right. And so I blame both sides for the failure. Oh, both sides. But I, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I blame both mainstream media because they should do it on their own, and I blame Democratic spokespeople for not doing it and making the media cover it. I don't think there's one side that's bad here. We're all failing. They're all yeah. failing. Yeah, and it's you know, if you're not comfortable for whatever reason calling Donald a mass murderer, if anybody, if you're Jen Psaki or you're a spokes person for anything and COVID and the, the, the difficulties we're currently having with COVID uh, are brought up, you say, well, the reason we're here is because Donald failed so spectacularly to yep. protect the American people, yep. which is why blah, blah, blah. Yep. Exactly. It's not that fucking hard. So, sorry. It's not that hard. No, please say swear. it. it fucking I got Mary swearing it. now. Yes. Yeah. We <laughs> How do we it, not it swear? Oh, I know. These times we have to. I mean, sometimes like, thank goodness that, you know, the media hits are what, like six minutes. I don't know that I could go longer than that without swearing. See, so. that should have been your book, The Fucking Reckoning. Right? <laughs> Our nation's fucking trauma and the finding a fucking <laughs> these, way to heal. <laughs> these fucking fucks and the way That's the Mary Trump I know. <laughs> okay, I have to ask you, I know we've been going long here, but so thank yeah, you, but I've got to ask you, it was from our first episode with you, but you made me laugh so hard. Can you tell the story again about when you first met Melania at the White House? Oh, no, it was at, it, it was at uh, Donald's apartment in Trump oh, Tower. Oh, I thought it was the White House. Okay, but when, when he introduced you to her and gave his yeah. little story. <laughs> so uh, I usually, this was when, I think it was 1998 or something. It was um, Father's Day. Um, actually, and, no, and like, none of his like, kids were around. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the Father's Day right before my grandfather died. And um, he wasn't, his Alzheimer's was very bad. So instead of going out to Peter Luger's, which is what we usually did, Donald had it at, at his apartment. And I had gotten an adept over the years, because by then I was in my early 30s, at arriving after everybody else or arriving with other people. Right. <laughs> and I totally miscalculated. I get there, I'm the first person there. Was this the gold vomit apartment or? Yes. Oh my God, you've been in that place? Oh God, is it just, is it just as horrible as it looks, know. I'm assuming. The Saddam Hussein palace? It's, it's, it's like it's, Liberace it's, Saddam Hussein, yeah. It's like Liberace threw up on Versailles or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite, oh God. quite horrible, right. but anyway. So you get there early, um, yeah. I blame my grandmother. My grandmother had hideous taste as well, but. Um, Not that beehive though, that was cool. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Anyway, I'm getting flashbacks. So it's just Donald and Melania. Oh my God. So we're sitting in this marble foyer with these very uncomfortable chairs and love seats. And 
Um, I'd never met her before. And like, she just like nods and smiles and Donald <laughs> set, starts telling her how, oh yeah, you know, I hired, I hired Mary to write my second book, I think it was. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't uh, end up, she didn't end up writing it, but you know, she worked with me for a while. And um, I, I really, uh, I really helped her out um because she was like basically in the gutter at that point and she was doing well and and you know she she was doing drugs and i'm like no 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 i've never taken drugs in my life can you please not rewrite my history um and also just it was like taking responsibility for 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 my your whole existence getting out of the gutter for saving you yes and yeah. the whole time, like Melania is just like polite with this polite, very bored look on, polite smile, bored look on her face. So he, he says, yeah, oh yeah, she was doing drugs. And she sits up and she says, really? And it's the only word I ever heard her say. So really? we got, we got cl- very close. But, but did you at least say no? Of course. <laughs> like that's the problem. Other people don't do that just, with him. Just they say no. Him ramble on right. and right. tell you his preferred narrative, oh, usually because it makes him look good. Like right. the fact he doesn't he would didn't care if I did drugs or not. Yeah. But if I had been a drug addict living on the streets and he'd plucked me out of that horror, it makes he what saved he you. Did yep. seem right. And he would have never done that. If you were a drug addict on the street, he wouldn't have touched you. I would think. Well, I'm not entirely sure I would have been able to write a book. That no, no, but you know yes, what I mean, exactly. though. He would never say, my cousin Mary or my niece Mary, I need to save her. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even want to pay He's me. the hero of every narrative. <laughs> Did he ever pay you or no? It's a long story. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, do you think when he tells stuff like that, I mean, because he's a fabulist, but does he, do you think he actually believes the lies he tells? It depends. He knew when he was telling that lie, he knew he was telling that lie. Oh, okay. He had this smile on his face like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that was before I she said, was a hooker. I mean, like, just keep, just right. keep going. <laughs> like, but, you know, lies that, that speak directly to his sense of himself, like a lot right. lies that he tells that, that protect him from the truth about who he is. I think he does come to believe them. I'm pretty sure at this point he believes that the election was stolen from him right. because that narrative protects him from the fact that he's a huge loser. Correct. And, he can't uh, accept that, and there's no accepting that. No, that's a narcissistic injury that hmm. would crush a person like him. Well, you mentioned loser was like the worst thing you could be in your family. Yeah, it was. Well, you can tell. I mean, he uses that word all the time. It's projection, mm-hmm. pure projection. I mean, everything he does is projection. And we're at the point now where right. everything the Republican Party does is projection. Yeah. Right. His dog so, thing, too. I'm sorry, but I know we're going to keep going here. But but he, he always uses this weird, you know, beat him like a dog. He uses this weird language that Americans don't. Yeah, he treated her like a dog. Or we it, don't, it, I mean, it sounds it's, like something it's, like from the Middle East that you yeah. hear sometimes. He doesn't understand animals apparently he doesn't understand how they work or how people feel about them 
Um, you know, he doesn't seem to understand like the only people like, who, who beats a dog hate animals or serial killers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who beats a dog? Well, because like, let's be honest, where animals you have unconditional love for your pets, right? I mean, you're cleaning up after them, you're feeding right. them, and you're doing all of it because not you know, we've got cats, I've gone to it, we we love our pets. They're like, you know, because you love them. But if you're a person who literally doesn't understand anything but transactional and not even really love, but transactional like, I guess I would call it, you like somebody because of what they can do for you, how would you understand a, a cat or a dog or whatever? You, you couldn't possibly. Well, you, know? you I mean, can as long as love, like actual love, is meaningless to you. Right. <clears throat> yep. Which obviously right. it is because my grandfather destroyed Donald right. when he was like two. Actually, that, I guess that kind of makes sense then with also what we said about his feeling towards pets overall. I mean, pets are about love. There's no, yep. there's no, unless it's literally a And responsibility. Love and responsibility, mean, right? Yeah. And, and, and if and, you love them enough, you actually enjoy doing some of the stuff you do for them. But if love doesn't because matter to you. Because the look on their face when you feed them or, you know, yeah. whatever it is, you want them to be happy. But if you don't, you but know? if love doesn't matter. No, it's, it is ironic though, because love may not matter to him, but, but like obedience and worship God, you want somebody to worship you? Get a freaking dog, Donald. I mean, that's almost like work. Ah, okay, fair enough. You know, fair he enough. thinks it should be immediate and yeah. uncompromising and unconditional, like Ivanka. Yes. Somehow, I think the dogs would even figure him out and not love him. Dogs are smart that way. They really are. And they can tell if you, they can tell if you like them or not. Right, and um, you know, Ivanka may know how to do that, but don't for a second think she won't throw him under the bus at the first opportunity if she thinks it's necessary. I hope to God, God that I, happens. I hope I she, see... and, she and Kushner end up uh, turning state's evidence That's the on thing. him. I it would be the most either... fun thing to see. I want to see either him turn on the kids or the kids turn on him. Or, or yeah, Melania. Yeah, I mean, he would. Like, that would be fun, but there's no reason for it to happen because he's the big fish. Right. Right. If they don't ask the big fish to turn on the little fish. No, right. They turn on right. him. And hopefully though, I want, I still want them to go to well, prison. No, no, no. So, but if they were, know. if, but think about this cliff, if they were to get Don Jr. on something, all of a sudden Don Jr. would be Don, Donnie who? Oh yeah. And, yeah. Right. Oh, of course. Oh, he was a piece of crap. I always knew I never trusted him. I never let him into any meetings. So he would turn yeah. in that regard. I mean, it's true. Like, like I did only bring coffee to people in my family. So that is true that that was only my only relationship with Donald was to bring him coffee. That's what he does to people. <laughs> oh, yeah, the coffee boy. The, you know, the yeah. he will do that with his own children. Um, he he actually thinks that by diminishing people's roles, that it renders them powerless somehow. Mm. You know, um, he tried. Like, you know, I was unloved. Uh, my grandparents hated me. Okay, that makes you sound good. Um, but he doesn't, he thinks that that's all it takes to, to um, uh, neuter you, essentially. Yeah. Ratings are terrible, ability to terrible get ratings. Hmm? It's making a joke about how he would say your ratings are terrible because that's the other thing he thinks he can really diminish you with. Right, exactly. Uh, so yeah, he'll do the same thing with his children when the so, time comes. Why is he so good at this? Why Why is he? He seems like such a buffoon that it surprises me that he's such a good grifter. Uh, how does well, he, he's had a... How does it, but like with business meetings, he clearly did this with business. He did it with politics. 
How does he? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep dragging you on, but this is interesting. But, but he no, is, he's really good at, forever, dude. He's really good at creating this mass psychosis and tricking and fooling people. When a lot of us look at him and go, "Oh my God, he's a scumbag." The guy's just like trash. Well, first of all, he's had a lot of support. You know, if you go into negotiation, and he didn't negotiate, obviously, as we've learned, he's terrible at it. Yeah. His people negotiated. He comes to the final meeting. He changes the terms of the deal, has a temper tantrum, and then threatens the other team with lawsuits and right. bankruptcy. Right. He gets his way because he has the yep. temper tantrum and right. nobody's going to stop him because he's supported by banks that, for whatever reason, threw right. hundreds of millions of dollars at him. So right. he could sue you into oblivion. Right. Um, the other thing is that there are some people who want to be fooled. Right. Uh, there are some people, and the Republican Party has done a good job of training people to uh, vote against their own self-interest um, in order to have their white privilege. Um, and the other thing is it's a, it's a mistake to, and I did this for a long time, like how, what is it? What are they seeing that I don't see? Right. They're not seeing anything that I don't see. But it turns out, that they value the things in him I revile. They okay. love yep. his cruelty. Okay. They yep. love his willingness to lie all the time. They love the fact that he gets away with everything. And I think the thing they most love about him is the fact that despite his serial failures, despite he's, the fact that he's such an incredible loser, he's still been allowed to succeed. Hmm. And that's something they want for them. It applies to some of their own lives. Um, you know, John, I mean, the simple answer is, and this is more in Mary's area than mine, psychology, whatever, but I, I always thought that that explains so much about politics and our culture. You know, like, it's not that Donald Trump is so good at it. It's that it's that people are so bad <laughs> at it and are so will hear anything you want to tell them, suspend disbelief, the slightest notion is when you divide them. I mean, how does Joel Osteen have four airplanes right. and a compound and these people are still coming who are, who are poor as hell? He won't let people into his place when the area is flooding, but they'll still go and give him all of their money. I mean, Donald Trump's he, no different. He's no different than that. He doesn't have that. to pay taxes on it. He doesn't have to pay taxes. He's no different. I mean, think about these mega these mega church preachers. Think about other, think about your Huey Longs and Father Coughlin's and people in the past in our history when you get somebody who has a little bit of charisma, is a sociopath, and has no shame, right. this is what you get. And now, it's not just the guy on the street corner or the guy with the bullhorn or the guy locally. Now they can do it. They can, it, they can make it go worldwide right. with cable and with the internet and with everything. That's, I mean, it's not that, I mean, I hate to say it. It's not that Trump is uniquely so good. It's that we are uniquely bad, so bad. as That's humans. Yeah. But, but again, it, and it's not an individual. You know, Joel Austin, Donald Trump, they're allowed to do what they do. They're supported by the tax code, for God's sakes. Yep. You know, Donald has been been used and elevated by people his whole life, starting with my grandfather and going through, you know, the, the New York political machine and the New York media. And um, what's his name? Mark Burnett, who should be in prison for the rest of his life. And yep. then the Republican Party. It's this. He by himself, do a little thought experiment. Imagine you drop Donald in Astoria, Queens, and you give him enough money to rent a studio apartment and, and eat. And in a month, 
he needs to get a job and start supporting himself. Could he do it? No. Wait. No. <laughs> he's he's he cannot exist outside of that bubble. Um, and yet he's the head of the Republican Party. And could theoretically be president again. Oh, it's not theoretical. Well, I mean, if you if he runs, I mean, which I think he, he will, yes, he can pull a Grover Cleveland. Yeah. What would he be like second term? Shit, I I, I was going to ask you this. I hate to be, have this be at the end, but but having gone through what he did the four years and winning again, which I think so. Not only does he know how to wield the power, he knows he got away with it, and he knows that he finally like he's not a loser anymore. He won if he wins in twenty twenty four. What will he be like as president? Well, one, he only runs if he knows he can't lose. In other words, if um, Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, for example, are gerrymandered to the, not gerrymandered because that wouldn't matter, um, if enough of the right kinds of votes are suppressed that he knows that he can get those, what was it, like fewer than 35,000 votes that he didn't get last, I know, it's just horrifying. Um, He'll... um, First of all, he doesn't wield the power. Um, Mitch McConnell wields the power. Uh, you know, the people in his cabinet wield the power. And he will continue to pick, you know, don't expect Bill Barr to be back. You know, expect right. all of those hideous people to be back. Um, I think he spends that, first of all, American democracy is over if that happens. Um, and he will spend, those four years or as many of them as he's alive um, seeking vengeance and right. uh, people like me will probably have to go into <laughs> hiding. And I'm actually not kidding. It's not funny because yeah. it's no, no, actually yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. you're right. I mean, for all we know we might have to, John, and we're not even close to the, the threat that Mary is. But I mean, I swear anybody who said something bad about any of these people publicly. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, there's a list, no doubt. They're that they're so petty. There's absolutely, you know, their version of the enemies list. For oh, sure. God, yes. But that's what yeah. worries me is now he knows how to do it. He knows he got away and he knows he got away with all that crap he did last time. Not just the kleptocracy, but but just the illegality of everything and the willingness to you know overturn our government, the willingness to use violence. I just oh God. that's it, why it's, yeah. the problem is the Republican Party, because if we lose the House or the Senate in 2022, it's also over. Yep. Um, you can't so, do this stuff without them. So. Mm-hmm. So imagine 2020. Uh, you know what? I don't want to imagine 2022. We need to fight. We need to fight, 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 yeah. fight, fight. Don't give up. Take a break if you need to. But, you know, we need to keep our eyes open and, and be really blunt about what's going on and what the threats we're facing. Um, and then I have to go. That's okay. Good. Um, go. Mary, so Mary Trump's new book, The Fucking Reckoning, Our Nation's Fucking Trauma and Finding a Fucking Way to Heal. No, take out the fucking, and that's the book, The Reckoning. Google it. Uh, that's earlier... the paperback will be called that. Okay, sure. yeah, exactly. I think, and the, uh, actually, that would be my the spoken word book. version. She'll definitely include right. all the fucks. But in her earlier so book, like... though, that was a huge book, uh, Too Much and Never Enough, about, about what, I guess, your analysis of Trump himself as a person, as a human being. As a psych- yeah, how, how he came to be. Yep. So that yeah. and that, I was just reading the reviews again of that. People loved that book, especially. So hopefully these reviews are just as good. This book is out now? 
Yep, it's been out for about a month. Okay, okay, good. So people can find it on I did see it on Amazon and obviously wherever else one likes to buy books. Yeah, um, although, you know, the rollout got kind of complicated by Afghanistan and then a hurricane oh. and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, you know, right. so it's nice to have the opportunity to talk about it and and uh because i i do think it's relevant to what's going on now yep. although uh, i was on lawrence o'donnell show last night and they showed the cover of my first book i'm like that book doesn't need any help <laughs> help me <laughs> which you mean too much and never enough or which yeah yeah like that that book did just fine yeah, yeah this one the reckoning okay, well the they reckoning. don't anything alike and why show us donald's face please all right. Well, thank you, Mary, for joining us. Uh, that was great. You've been ra- crazy generous, so thank you. No, it was great. Thanks so girl. much. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you. Let's Stay keep, safe. Uh, keep fighting. Stay safe. <laughs>